The Rural Radio Network takes to the airways with another edition of Midday. It is Thursday, April the 13th, and I feel like singing You and Me Against the World, Bob. And you can you have every right to do that. Go ahead. <laughs> well, luckily we got a real singer in here at the last second, and uh, Jason Jorgensen has just pulled up a microphone. I don't know that's high praise being called a real singer. So <laughs> Sure it is. It absolutely is. I'm not singing today, though. You Just and saying. me against the world. Sometimes it seems like. Is that a real me, song? Me and Bob the against world. the world. That's Let's right. Let's just do that today, okay? <laughs> what, what artist took that into the top 40? Let's see. I can't tell you. I'll have to get back to you on that one. Yeah. That'll come to me, though. Stand by. I spent a lot of time in music radio. All right. Jesse Harding is here. She's probably never heard that song. Yeah, I have. Have you? Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. I think it was Helen Reddy, as a matter of fact. Yeah. She can give me a little credit, Dirk. Yeah. Just a she little bit. She always takes offense to that. <laughs> she, for her age, she knows a lot of stuff that predates her, so I've been impressed over the years. What was Helen Reddy's biggest hit? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know people that well Come on, from you should know before that I was one. born. I am woman, hear yeah. me roar. That'd be oh, a great yeah. song for you. In numbers too big to no, ignore. No, turkey calling. Oh, Although one one is plenty of uh, of this one, uh, she's Thanks. got the strength of ten women. Thanks. You're welcome. Just one dose of Jesse today. <laughs> what have we on the ag news? Well, outlines? coming up at the twelve thirteen, we are going to talk about the planting weather. If we're getting a little too ahead of ourselves, possibly, and then for the twelve nineteen, Dewey Nelson's going to be do- joined with Dean Hefta, Water Street Solutions, talking about the markets and what's been taking place today. For the newsmaker, Joe Gangwish is joined with Dave Cheem. He's of Kansas and currently president of the National Association of Wheat Growers. They're going to be talking about some of the issues that the wheat growers are working on. And, of course, one of those biggest ones is the trade. And then for the 117, Shaley Peters is going to be joined with Ken Mashoff. He's actually from back home in Illinois, Mm -hmm. uh, probably about a half hour from where I grew up. And he's currently president of the National Pork Producers Council, and they're talking about the USDA GYPSA delay that is currently going on on some of those rules that were passed uh, last year in 2016 and are currently being delayed right now. All right. Thank you, Jesse. And Jason Sports. Talk about how spring practice has been different this year for the Huskers. Of course, they've had a lot of stuff going on, installing a new defense and a new defensive coordinator. We will get the thoughts from head coach Mike Riley about that. Also, good luck to the Husker women's bowling team. The national championships start today, and of course, they have had fantastic success at this tournament. They have been in the championship match, which will be on Saturday, but they have qualified for that championship match the last several years. So we'll uh, give you a preview of that. Uh, they're down in Louisiana. I, I forget the bowling outlet they're out, but it sounded mm-hmm. like a reputable place. <laughs> <laughs> Not like the places you saw in the movie Kingpin or anything like that. <laughs> good but to uh, know. all of that's coming up in sports. All right. Very good. Thanks. Bob, sing us something. Well, I'll get. I'll. Uh, you, you caught me off guard there. Um, stock indexes wavering between small gains and losses in midday trading right now. Also, uh, the job market is stable, and Russia has banned the use of a smartphone app widely used like a walkie-talkie to organize demonstrations and other gatherings. I can't imagine why they would ban that. I mean, when you need one of those, you need it. Absolutely. All right, thanks, everybody, and more is coming your way on Midday.
All right, do we or do we not uh, get the severe thunderstorm activity that we think might? Yeah, be it's going to be. Uh, there's there's not even really a marginal risk of severe activity across our area. Just a kind of very very low risk, okay. which they've got a green shaded area over about the central and southeast part of Nebraska on into Kansas, and that's basically just because there's going to be fire, uh, some thunderstorms possible later today. Right now, that area below pressure, it's currently centered over the Texas Panhandle. That will gradually lift to the east and north today. Right now, it's kicking up some rain in the western portions of Oklahoma. That will lift north on into Kansas and then gradually make its way towards Nebraska Iowa and Missouri for tomorrow. Some low pressure lifting northeast out of the Texas Panhandle. That will increase our rain chances for rain and thunderstorm activity from south to north as we head towards this afternoon and evening as that area of low pressure starts to make its way into Kansas. Already some clouds swirling on into Kansas and the southern portions of Nebraska, especially south-central Nebraska to the south of I-80. Stronger severe storms pretty unlikely with this system. Rain and thunderstorms could continue into tomorrow morning as that area of low pressure starts to move through the state of Nebraska. Tomorrow through Wednesday looks to be still on the active side. We'll see several mostly weak storms quickly track across the region. Temperatures luckily slightly warmer than normal. Most of tomorrow looks to be mainly dry. We could see some early morning rain chances and then some late afternoon and evening rain chances as some thunderstorms start to form later tomorrow with some low pressure over eastern Colorado. Those could start to track east for tomorrow evening into the night. Saturday and Easter, most areas look to be dry. We'll see a slight chance of some rain and thunderstorms remain over the southeast, a lot closer to a lingering area of low pressure. Another system will start to lift into the area late on Monday for a likely chance of rain and thunderstorms as we head towards Monday night, but still some forecast model uncertainties to work out with the exact details. In the long term, temperatures for Nebraska, Kansas, and the southern two-thirds of the U.S. are forecast to be warmer than normal Tuesday through April 26th. The precipitation forecast in Nebraska and Kansas calls for it to basically be slightly above normal on precipitation Tuesday through the 26th. Soil temperatures this morning at 7 at the 4-inch depth continue to get warmer with the milder air. Along and northwest of a line from Imperial to North Platte and O'Neill, those soil temperatures in the mid to upper 40s, basically west central and north central Nebraska, soil temperatures in the mid to upper 40s. Soil temperatures in the low 50s found in many regions, central and east Nebraska, on, on into west and north Kansas. Now south of I-70 in the central and east part of Kansas, those soil temperatures currently in the mid to upper 50s. In the latest drought monitor, it's abnormally dry in south central and southwest Nebraska. Kansas, abnormally dry conditions found in the north central and west and south of I-70 in the east. Now pockets of moderate drought still indicated in Nebraska in Kearney County and from Imperial to Sydney and in Kansas in the southwest, but those rains over the last few weeks have improved the drought situation quite a bit. Weather factors in the market today include rain continuing in the Midwest with delays in planting and the uncertainty on the extent of Argentina flood damage. Rain along a cold front could result in one to three inches of rain from the southern plains into the Midwest. Spring field work and some corn planting will be delayed the next seven days by moderate to heavy rain in the western and northern Midwest. Far northwestern areas of the Midwest, though, will have lighter rains with better chances to get in the field. The harvest in Argentina remains stalled the next week. In many central crop areas, after heavy rain and flooding the first 10 days of this month, 
Many suspect the damage will result in a 10% loss in Argentina, but a definite amount has not been finalized. Drier weather in the forecast for the next few days will allow slow recovery for them. Paul Perkins Regional Ag Weather presented by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer in Holdridge, Lexington, Alda, and Ravana. You can phone them at 308-995-4000. So, beautiful day today, and it looks like just a couple of rainmakers that could be a little bit more toward noisemakers. Huh? Yeah, it, we're probably not going to get rich on these rainfall amounts with these systems moving through, but at least we do have some rain chances in the forecast, and this system will be moving through, probably bringing some light amounts, and Easter holiday looking pretty good for a lot of people's plans. Yeah, pretty good for Easter. Uh-huh. Nice, and uh, when you need weather anytime, krvn.com. Of agriculture information on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Jesse Harding. Planting has begun in parts of the Corn Belt, but that may come to a halt due to weather. Bruce Gorder has the story. Steve Johnson from Iowa State encourages farmers to watch the weather in the next few days. Yeah, I think it's important for your listeners to take a look at some of these National Weather Service forecasts, and I'm not saying they're always right. But there is a line of precipitation from North Texas to Wisconsin over the next seven days. And this is real critical because Iowa is the bullseye. Iowa is the two to three inch potential rainfall, especially Friday of this week, Good Friday. Then again, the middle of next week. So our major rain event might not even be Friday. It could be next Tuesday. I think that's why the futures markets are responding. Uh, by the rumor, getting wet. Uh, we're going to be wet in portions of eastern Kansas and western Missouri. And it looks like Nebraska might miss the brunt of this rainfall event. So I'd encourage your listeners to think about their marketing plan, both old and new crop corn and soybeans. That's Steve Johnson from Iowa State, and I'm Bruce Gorder on the Rural Radio Network. Several are plotting the further delay of USDA's Grain Inspection Packers and Stockyards Administration's Farmer Fair Price Practice Rules. Shaley Peters has more on that. The Trump administration made the announcement Tuesday, a move both the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and National Pork Producers Council are happy with. MPPC President Ken Mashoff says this will give them more time to seriously consider a regulation whose intentions could have an opposite effect it would likely restrict the buying and selling of livestock and the intended outcome was certainly not to lead to consolidation in the livestock industry and and put farmers out of business but we think that's exactly what would happen it would consolidate the industry uh... packers would essentially say well the safest route is to own our own livestock and control our own supply rather than be uh... at risk at every turn of having these type of disputes and, and essentially the only one that would win would be the trial lawyers. The delay also opens the rule back up for public comment. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaylee Peters. A 2008 U.S. Environmental Protection Agency rule that exempted large animal feeding operations from reporting air pollution generated by animal waste was struck down by a federal court in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday. Back in 2008, the George W. Bush administration exempted animal feeding operators from having to report ammonia and hydrogen sulfide emissions in particular. The action prompted a number of environmental groups to sue the EPA. 
In its ruling on Tuesday, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit said EPA's claim that it has never acted on air pollution complaints regarding feedlots doesn't hold water. And also on Tuesday, the EPA stated that they started to get the ball rolling on overall regulatory reform in the agency. And EPA posted to regulations.gov asking a notice for public comment on its evaluation of existing regulations. And the American sheep and goat producers have been looking forward to the time when they can export breeding animals to Mexican customers. And the government recently published the provisions and conditions that will allow exports to begin. And according to Veterinary Health Certificate, that's required for live sheep and goat exports to Mexico. Animals must have been born and raised in the country of origin and isolated from animals at least 30 days prior to export. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. With us is Dean Hefta, Water Street Solutions. Dean, we've been talking off the air about the soybean market, the corn market, and the rally that we've come up with. So... In essence, if we have a nice strong close today, will that keep the momentum going after a long weekend? Yeah, I mean, it's nice uh, to go into the weekend with some strength here. And, you know, when you look at the corn market, some of the supporting factors, it's still forecast a little bit on the wet side for a lot of the Midwest uh, as we move into the heart of the planting period on the calendar. And, you know, you're looking at the, the, uh, the managed money, the funds, coming into planting in the growing season with a very large net short position. So that in itself should probably provide some support here. Um, you know, but ultimately we're in kind of this value area and there's plenty of old crop corn that, uh, you know, can come to the market and, and we haven't got any true weather that threats yet to, to, to threat the market um, right now. Do you think wheat could be even more uh, on the downside in Chicago, Kansas City futures if it weren't for the corn? Um, you know, you also have a large net fund uh, situation there. We've had some really good um, demand from an export standpoint. We're competing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, corn has been outpacing wheat in Chicago. But, um, you know, you've, you've pulled wheat back pretty well here that um, it's probably just in a bit of an oversold situation and, and looking for some news. Wheat is such a headline crop. Well, wheat in Minneapolis Exchange has been rallying today somewhat, and that probably is due to weather, isn't it? Yeah, you know, you're looking at trying to get spring wheat planted in the north, and uh, depending on this weather pattern in Canada and North Dakota, they're going to be able to get an open window, and acres are going to be down, and that's still the tightest balance sheet of the three major wheats. Ethanol margins have improved, even with the bounce in corn. So if you have something like that, does that make it, uh, I guess, a little bit more promising or positive for the corn market down the road? Yeah, I mean, demand has been excellent, uh, whether that's exports or ethanol. Ethanol has been uh, just exceptional in the pace of grind, uh, although it has had a pullback, but that's seasonal. Uh, it's common this time of year for us to pull back our grind, but it's running above our historic pace. And so definitely a good demand there on the corn and the you know, the ethanol producers making good money. After the president had said that the dollar was too strong, of course it fell, and it is still lower today. That makes our products more attractive when it comes to exports. So the short term, is soybean still pledged, or, or I should say positioned itself to go higher? Well, you know, it's, it's hard to come up with the fundamental story of, of why soybeans need to rally, but, you know, they can be a unique animal. 
And ultimately, we're just we've just been uh, oversold here in the last uh, month and a half break that we've seen in soybeans, and eventually you just run out of sellers. I think that's what you saw after the WASDE report. Uh, we poked out a new low and just ran out of sellers, and so it's natural for us to get a bounce following that. Thanks for taking the time, Dean. Dean Hefta, Water Street Solutions. Go to waterstreet.org for more information, or call Water Street Solutions at 866-249-2528. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, spring practice this year for the Huskers has certainly been different. The defense has been going through the transition to the 3-4 under new coordinator Bob Diaco, and head coach Mike Riley says those changes have spiced things up a bit. I think that with with newness comes a natural energy change, probably, and and. And people are, again, you know, whether or not they were comfortable, they are competing for a spot with a, with a, a new group of coaches. There's three new defensive coaches on, the, on that side of the ball. So uh, that part of it is real. And then Coach Diaco personally brings a special energy to practice. Saturday's red-white game is set for one. A woman who was struck in the head by a discus at the 2014 state track meet in Omaha has been awarded $350,000 in a settlement. The Omaha World Herald reports that 83-year-old Bernice Goreski from the Farwell area filed a lawsuit in 2015 after being hit by a student-athlete's discus while standing in the visitor's area of the track meet at Burke High School. She and her husband sued the Omaha Public Schools and the Nebraska State Activities Association, alleging the entities failed in their duty to keep spectators safe. District spokesperson Monique Farmer says the spectator fence has now been pushed back further. Goreski's attorney, David Mullen, says he can't comment on her injuries or her recovery. The top-seeded Husker women bowling team has its sights set on a sixth NCAA title as the Huskers are in Baton Rouge, Louisiana for the National Collegiate Bowling Championships, which run today through Saturday. The Huskers have made the championship match in each of the last four seasons, winning the title in 2013 and 2015. The Huskers softball team saw its recent run of success come to an end yesterday as they dropped a doubleheader in Iowa, losing to the Hawkeyes 4-3 and 5-2. Nebraska is now 16-21 on the season. A return to action tomorrow as the Huskers host Penn State. And North Carolina swingman Justin Jackson will skip his senior season and enter the NBA draft after leading the Tar Heels to the NCAA title. School made the announcement today. Today, the first-team All-American announced he would hire an agent to end his college career at Chapel Hill. The six-foot-eight native of Texas averaged 18 points per game and set a program single-season record with 105 made three-pointers as UNC won its sixth title last week by knocking off Gonzaga. The ACC Conference Player of the Year is projected to be a first-round pick. That is a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. There's a chance of showers over Nebraska's southern half this afternoon. Otherwise, highs today from 65 to 75 degrees. I'm Dave Schroeder. Nebraska's one step closer to overturning local gun restrictions in Lincoln and Omaha that are stricter than state law. Lawmakers gave first-round approval to a gun rights pre-exemption bill with a 32-12 to 12 vote yesterday. Supporters say the bill would eliminate a confusing patchwork of local gun possession rules that legal owners unintentionally violate when they travel. 
Opponents say the bill would allow out-of-state gun groups and residents to sue cities, even if local rules haven't harmed them directly. The measure includes some exceptions for Omaha after the city's police union warned that it could hinder their ability to fight gang violence. Two more votes are required before the bill heads to Governor Pete Ricketts. Lawmakers voted 28 to 13 this week to advance a bill that would require online retailers to either collect sales taxes for the state or report such sales. Hartwell Senator John Keene argued the bill would hurt home-based and small-town businesses hoping to sell items over the Internet. 74% of the independent sellers on Amazon and 70% of the independent sellers on eBay have less than $100,000 in revenue. So we're pretty much drawing in all of those mom-and-pop businesses that are selling a few things on eBay, selling things out of their garage. They would either have the choice to undergo the collection requirements, be a tax collector for the state, or undergo the reporting requirement. Nine percent of Amazon sellers and a third of those on eBay have less than $10,000 in sales per year. And we talk a lot on this floor about not imposing regulations on small business, and this is who we're talking about. The bill sponsor, Senator Dan Watermeyer of Syracuse, says it would level the playing field for Main Street and big box retailers in the state, and Nebraska could collect and Nebraska would collect between 30 to $40 million in additional sales tax revenue on top of the estimated $20 million from Amazon. Kansas Secretary of State Chris Kobach has announced his first known prosecution of a non-citizen voting illegally since lawmakers in 2015 gave him the authority to prosecute voter fraud. Kobach says that Victor David Garcia Bebek uh, pleaded guilty to three misdemeanor counts of voting unlawfully in 2012 and 2014. The plea deal calls for a $5,000 fine and unsupervised probation for up to three years. Bebek's defense attorney did not immediately return a phone message left at his office seeking comment. Get the latest forecasts and live severe weather reporting around the clock on KRVN and KRVN.com. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. News, the presentation of Heritage Homes of Nebraska, the preferred rural builder. Find out more at heritagehomesofne.com. Joe Gangwish back with you here on the Rural Radio Network. We're going to visit with David Shem. He's a wheat farmer from western Kansas in the Sharon Springs area. David is now, of course, the president of the National Association of Wheat Growers. And, David, it's a pleasure to have you on and, and kind of talk about maybe some, first of all, some trade issues that you guys are facing right now. Very interesting trade climate with the new administration. What's NOG been working on? You know, we've been uh, really excited, and, and we're, we're looking forward to uh, working with the administration on And We've already been talking to some of the uh, administration officials and, and our, our concerns with uh, trade and, and the challenges that we see out there. Uh, especially concerning with, uh, you know, the lack of a TPP passage and, and the U.S. showing that they're, they're wanting to pull away from that. And obviously that had a big impact with us, uh, so, you know, in that specific rim area there. So, uh, and obviously I'm, I'm reminded of that, of that every time I go across, uh, Kansas and other states and I still see the piles of wheat out there, the need to, uh, get that trade established. So obviously we're hoping to, uh, get some, uh, 
nominations uh, approved so he can get an ag secretary in there and a USDR uh, representative in there to be able to start working with those people. Concerning trade and what we saw happen with TPP, how much would that affect uh, the hard red winter wheat that we grow in our area? You know, there is definitely some impact out of there. Uh, some of our uh, wheat makes it up towards the uh, P&W area and out those export facilities. Obviously, it's a bigger impact for our P&W uh, you know, farmers up there that grow that, that wheat up there. But it's still, it is an impact because that is a draw up on our area and a, and a draw up on all, all of our wheat as well. Uh, you know, obviously a, a huge concern we have now, even with trade, is, is the situation also with uh, China. And quite honestly, they're a violation of, of uh, the current trade deals out there and their failure to uphold their end of the bargain, which would have a bigger impact on our hard red winter wheat area. Uh, we've uh, working on the wheat organizations have looked at that, and I mean we're we're looking at uh, you know them subsidizing uh, support levels for their uh, farmers close to ten dollars a bushel, and uh, obviously not fulfilling the, the amount of uh, wheat that they've uh, said that they would uh, import into their country, and that, we figure that up that you know it could be anywhere from you know twenty five to you know thirty five cents a bushel impact in our area. Of course, we're, we're catching you on the tractor today, and you mentioned driving around the country, still some piles of wheat on the ground in, in Kansas, and considering the, the big yields we had last year, coming into a, now another uh, season here where we'll have more supplies coming, tell us about uh, you know finding new markets and continuing to, to find outlets for our winter wheat. You know, it's uh, so uh, critical there. Uh, here recently, uh, Senator Moran out of Kansas here, uh, again offered some, uh, legislation addressing, uh, a very close, uh, customer, uh, just to the south, uh, that would definitely impact a lot of our hard red winter, and that's Cuba. And the ability to really, to be able to start to access that market. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's, that's some opportunities for markets there. Uh, we're, we're hearing maybe of, uh, some other, uh, hiccups around the world. Uh, obviously, we are concerned. You know, uh, a large uh, section of the uh, central plains uh, here within the last several weeks have received some really good rains and uh, has really brought uh, this year's wheat crop uh, back to life. And obviously, when we drive around and we look at uh, the piles of wheat so existing from last year, we see another wheat crop coming on. Um, not only does there concerns from a storage standpoint, uh, but, you know, I think uh, uh, myself, along with a lot of other farmers, there just share a lot of concerns from a, a revenue or a price per bushel concern. You know, we're looking at another farm bill here, and you, you come at it with a different perspective because you also grow some other crops besides wheat. But uh, for the wheat primarily, what does your organization uh, think about crafting a new farm bill? You know, I've uh, already been in, obviously, a lot of discussions and thinking about it. You know, my operation, I uh, also have uh, corn as well as uh, milo growing on it. Um, you know, the, the from a wheat standpoint, we just obviously have a lot of concerns with it. As I have looked and, uh, and talked with other farmers growing wheat and also from my uh, operation, uh, we've just got to do some tweaks uh, to uh, what our current farm bill is to be able to better help out our wheat producer. We've got concepts. I mean, one, you know, if we want to talk about Title One, we've got our payments uh, that need to be based upon better data. They need to be utilizing RMA data and not NAF data. I hear that continually from our farmers. And then when it comes to PLC, uh, you know, the, the reference price is just simply too low for wheat, period. Uh, 550 is not an effective reference price. We need to have a reference price 
uh, better tied in to a cost production side. Uh, basically, to give our farmers that uh, that security that they can manage through uh, tough times, and I think this is really reflective of the tweaks that need to happen to the farm bill. When you look at uh, lowest uh, wheat uh, plantings, uh, especially winter wheat, since 1909. I mean, the last time we did that, uh, we weren't sitting in tractors; we were walking behind a horse uh, with a plow planting that wheat. So that just we've got to do some tweaks to this farm bill, and I think that's a couple of areas that we've definitely got to focus on. That is David Shem, wheat farmer from Sharon Springs, Kansas, and he's president of the National Association of Wheat Growers. Visiting with us here on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Joe Gangwish. Nelson Hemmond for all of your insurance needs. Good afternoon, Dewey Nelson with a market report on the Rural Radio Network. We're pretty much the same as what we've been through the session, higher in soybeans and corn, and then wheat lower. May corn, 371 and a quarter. July, 378, both up two and a quarter. September, 384 and three quarters. December, 394 and a half, both up two. This all comes uh, ahead of the long holiday weekend. Trading won't resume until the overnight on Sunday night. May soybeans trading, 954 and three quarters. July, 965 and three quarters. August, 967 and three quarters. They're all up seven. November, 961 and a half, up six. Chicago May wheat four thirty and a half down two and three quarters. July four forty three and three quarters down two and a half. Kansas City May two four twenty seven and three quarters down two and a quarter. July four forty down two and a half. We're going to settle higher in the livestock futures, and this marks the fourth straight session for cattle rallying. April live cattle settled one twenty five thirty seven up one seventeen. June one fourteen seventy up thirty five. August 110.80, up 42. October 110.32, up 47. April feeder cattle settled 137.80, up 30. May contract 138.40, up 57. August 140.27, up 32. September 140.55, October 139.62, both up 20. April lean hogs brought back 62.45, up 22. May was up 27 to settle at 68.30. June 72.50, up 22. July 73.62, up 7. Wall Street, the Dow is down 70 at 20,522. NASDAQ down 16 at 5,819. S&P 500 down 6 at 2,334. You wouldn't drive just any tractor, so why use just any diesel fuel? Senex Ruby Fieldmaster Premium Diesel Fuel has seven top quality additives for better performance and less downtime than typical number two. And it's backed by agriculture's best warranty. So ask yourself, what's in your diesel fuel? And more importantly, why settle for anything less than the best in your equipment? Upgrade to Senex Ruby Fieldmaster. Senex, our energy comes through. Senex is a brand of CHS. Response has been tremendous for relief efforts going to wildfire victims on the plains, but your help is still needed. Farm and ranch families continue to recover from the March fires, which burned over a million acres in Kansas, Colorado, Oklahoma, and Texas. Our wildfire relief link at ruralradio.com has many ways you can help donate cash, hay, and supplies. These farmers and ranchers still need your help. Please visit the wildfire relief page at ruralradio.com. Another day of a cattle rally in futures trading. 
Let's talk with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. This is, um, I believe, the fourth straight session, Joe. Yes, it is. Uh, the whole week was higher, and we end the week higher. Uh, since tomorrow is uh, uh, an off day uh, because of uh, uh, Good Friday. So markets are going to be closed. So this is the end of the week, and a nice end to the week with a weekly higher close and uh, four straight days. Uh, really haven't seen much. Uh, we did sell off just a little bit going into the close. I'm sure that was profit-taking. Haven't heard of any substantial uh, uh, cattle trade uh, out in the country today, but uh, cutouts a little bit better once again today. So uh, we just continued on with our uh, current rally. Uh, did sell off, like I say, just a little bit uh, into the end, but uh, still managed to close higher right straight across. Over in the hogs, going to close uh, lower for the week, but did manage to come back and close higher for the day after spending uh, a lot of the day uh, lower. Uh, cash didn't seem to be under a lot of pressure this morning. I think that was one factor. Uh, the uh, April contract expires on uh, Monday, uh, so it's kind of still at a discount, but not uh, as severe uh, with a little uh, rally day, but just a small rally, still closed lower for the week. So all in all, a positive day for uh, livestock, and especially for the cattle complex. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities, total cattle slaughter. First four days this week estimated at 457,000, 9,000 more than one week ago. Hog slaughter, 1,773,000, 7,000 less than a week ago. Dewey Nelson reporting. Spring has sprung. Take it easy and take it safe this spring. And plan on spending every planting day with us. 880-KRVN. It was just recently announced this past week that the Trump administration gave notice that it will further delay the effective date of a regulation related to the buying and selling of livestock. This was a move applauded by the National Pork Producers Council, and I've got on the line with me here today, President of NPPC, Ken Mashoff. And Ken, what we're referring to here is what is known as GYPSA. Give us some background to this and lay the groundwork a little bit. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Uh, I know it's been in the news here uh, lately, and, and we heard about it here uh, when the Trump administration uh, came into into power, but uh, turning a clock back uh, in a 2008 uh, farm bill, USDA essentially issued rules uh, under the Packers Stockyards Act, which dates back to 1921, related to livestock and poultry production and marketing. Uh, GYPSA had to address five specific issues, but the agency uh, in mid-2010 uh, proposed re- regulations went beyond what the farm bill mandated. They even included provisions that Congress at that time debated and rejected and two important changes under the uh, Packer Stockyard Act which opponents argued uh, Gypsy had no authority to make were the elimination of the need to prove that the action harmed competition and essentially making all contract breaches federal Packers and Stockyards violations. So it it broadened uh, significantly that that scope so bringing us up to speed then to now what was just released here this week um essentially nothing's going anywhere in a hurry right now with this is that right yeah 
Yes, there was comments submitted throughout this whole process that I talked about, and then when the Trump administration came into office, uh, they kind of said, we're going to give a 60-day public comment extension, which that was to expire here, or it did, and uh, I believe it was April 22nd would have been the date uh, the interim final rule would have taken effect. Of course, our new uh, USDA head, uh, Sonny uh, Purdue hopefully will be confirmed, uh, but will, has not been confirmed uh, yet, and with Congress out for recess, likely won't be until near or after that date. So uh, we're extremely pleased that the administration delayed the final rule and extended the time to really educate, because the comment period is up. So it's really educating uh, people within USDA, on the devast and uh, on the devastating effects we think this would have on on uh, pork producers, um, and again, you know, it would likely restrict the buying and selling of livestock. And the intended outcome was certainly not to lead to consolidation in the livestock industry and and put farmers out of business. But we think that's exactly what would happen. It would consolidate uh, the industry. Uh, Packers would essentially say, well, the safest route is to own our own livestock and control our own supply rather than be uh, at risk uh, at every turn of having these type of disputes. Uh, and, and essentially the only one that would win would be the trial lawyers. Ken Mashoff, president of the National Pork Producers Council, visiting with us today about the Trump administration's recent notice that it will further delay the effective date of GYPSA. I'm Shaylee Peters, and you're listening here to the Rural Radio Network. <sighs> Being a spring fairy is hard work. My friends and I are in charge of waking the animals, painting the butterflies, helping the plants bloom. Good thing I'm getting help from the Rural Radio Network. Enter Green Acres for your chance to win a flower bed, the plants, and the work from Natural Escapes and Cozad. You could also win a wrought iron garden bench from Chester's Antiques Home and Garden. Don't wake the bears with sticks. Brought to you by Foss Garage, Arapahoe, Cambridge, Fah Motor Company, Cambridge, Doug Luther, your producer's hybrid dealer, Overton, and Plains Equipment Group, your local John Deere dealer. Details on the Fun and Games page at krvn.com. In grain markets today, soybeans closed higher, pulling up corn, but wheat was lower. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. We're joined by John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago, and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. So not much change through the session, at least in corn and soybean trading. We were higher throughout the session. It was just a matter of uh, how much, I guess, profit-taking ensued, but um, very little at, at, as it appears today. Yeah, I think we saw some spreading coming on here. There's some seasonal ticks here in, uh, in, in meal and beans versus wheat. So in a quiet market, you can really tell the volume pick up when the spreads move like they have. Uh, soy meal, kind of the story of the day here. Uh, Chinese soy meal demand uh, picking up last night. We we saw some good buying from them uh, on their exchanges, and then uh, pretty decent crush margins over there as well. So kind of back into the the, the following of the overseas markets, at least in the meal markets, uh, just to see kind of where the where the product's going to be headed here in the next couple of weeks. Shorter term, I think on the, on the wheat side, you, it's all about weather overseas. You know, the weather in your area out, out east or out west rather is, is fantastic for for growing a wheat. I think the projected rainfall for the entire month of April is going to be about what it was last year if you throw in the forecast. And you know, we all know how the crop turned out. So at this point, I think the crop 
or the the traders are expecting another big bushel, a big um, you mm-hmm. know, a buster of of a yield uh, that uh, you know, in my opinion, is is just something we continue to fight in, on the corn markets as well. So until wheat moves, I don't think corn has much of a, a of a leg higher. But we could see a, maybe a push up into the high three seventies for May. But like I said on the, the previous uh, episodes, I would be moving those those uh, May basis contracts at those levels. Well, it appears that weather was the main factor because spring wheat futures actually closed higher, and that was also because of possible too much rain. Well, that's what we want to see here. And in long term, the story would be lo- the low protein quality out west again, and that, that kind of underpinned a, a move in the KC versus the Chicago into the uh, second half of last year. Uh, Minnesota Minneapolis contract needs to lead the way, um, and we've seen them really fall out of bed, so to speak, in the last two to three weeks. We are regaining ground as we bounced off 520 there front month, but uh, short term here, it's just there's not a lot to trade around other than weather. We got somewhat decent exports this morning, but we didn't, we need that big big busting uh, you know buy to come in. We it's been weeks since we've seen something like that, so kind of cross our fingers here. Hope we get a a weather problem over in Europe or, or Russia. Right now it's really dry over in France and Spain. Um, that could be good for us. Um, and then also in, in the Black Sea region, I think they're expecting rain over the next 7 to 10. So we'll kind of cross our fingers here and hope for a rally. Thanks, John. Of course, the market's closed tomorrow. John Payne, Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. I'm Dewey Nelson. Response has been tremendous for relief efforts going to wildfire victims on the plains, but your help is still needed. Farm and ranch families continue to recover from the March fires, which burned over a million acres in Kansas, Colorado, Oklahoma, and Texas. Our wildfire relief link at ruralradio.com has many ways you can help donate cash, hay, and supplies. These farmers and ranchers still need your help. Please visit the wildfire relief page at ruralradio.com.